platform. Step up and, and speak out. It is a good Monday to you, everybody. The name is Larry Kuiderai. This is an episode of the platform. Thank you very much for getting uh, to join us today on this uh, wonderful Monday, the 25th of April. It's just gone 1936 here uh, in Harare. And uh, that's where we're broadcasting from, where the frequency is 106.4. Uh, in Bulawayo, where my hometown is, 106.7. Gweru, 104.3. And just to mention another one, Kama TV, Wange, 105.1. And if you want to get us over the internet, it's www.zfmstereo.co.zw. And you can listen to us live there. Our Facebook page is facebook.com, forward slash zfmstereo. Like our page and see updates as they happen on Twitter, at zfmstereo. And uh, our WhatsApp number where you can get in touch with me in the studios, 0731-168045. And the topic I have today is a topic that is, well, the major topic uh, over the last couple of months. And uh, it's, the price, it's got to talk about the price of bread having gone up by 30% to $352 from 270 a development that further affects the expandable income for consumers. At uh, $270, bread was already too expensive for the majority of households. This hike will further drive more and more people into food poverty and lead to nutritional security. If not, manage its... Uh, uh, also like to lead to hikes in prices of other basic commodities in the studio. I'm joined by the chairperson of the Grey Millers Association of Zimbabwe, or otherwise known as GMAS, GMAS yes, uh, that is Tafas Musarara, to discuss further on the rise of grain and wheat prices. So, just to start off, uh, straight off the bat, what is causing uh, uh, the, 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 um, the increases in, in prices of maize, meal, and, uh, and, and, other, and bread prices? Good evening. Thank you, Larry, for having me. We have a number of issues that are coming up, uh, both inter- uh, external and, and, and domestic. I'll start with the bread side of things. Um, the, the, the increase in the bread prices was largely um, informed or precipitated by the increase in, uh, in flour. And the increase in the price of flour uh, which was uh, 36% was again um, caused by the geopolitics in Eastern Europe, the Russia-Ukraine conflict. The, uh, Russia, according to the 2021 uh, rankings, it ranked number one in terms of export wheat supply with a um, turnover of uh, $7.72 billion. Ukraine was number five with the uh, annual export wheat supply export turnover of uh, 3.56 billion dollars. So the two, which are the two countries which are at war, um, uh, constitute an aggregate of about 38 percent of the world wheat supply. So what the war has done is simply to cut off the world from the 38 percent of the wheat that they've been getting. It's not only wheat, it's also to do with soya, so, soya beans, you know, um, uh, and uh, other crops. Russia and Ukraine are equally agricultural giants in, in, in the world. In our case, the Russian-Ukraine wheat constitutes 65% of the wheat that we import. 
So I'll give you an example. We 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 got about two hundred and fifteen thousand tons from the local farmers, and uh, our estimated demand is about four hundred thousand. So we need to import 185,000, and this has been the norm, 185,000 tons of wheat. Of that 185,000 tons of wheat that we're going to import, 65% in the past 7 to 10 years has always been coming from Ukraine and Russia. Uh, in the, to put everything into perspective, in, on the 1st of January this year, the wheat, imported wheat, was lending Harare 480 US dollars. Uh, fast forward to today, three months later, the wheat is now lending at 780 US dollars. So it's such a jump, uh, close to 50% in US dollars. And this is not a Zimbabwean phenomenon alone. This is affecting the um, all the economies in the world, all countries in the world. And uh, of course, the biggest victim is Egypt, which is the which is the biggest net. A wheat importer in the world. In some countries, in other jurisdictions, have started to bring back subsidies uh, so that they would cushion the the, the consumer. Uh, we had uh, such a big jump in terms of our wheat, local uh, imported wheat, and then of course, um, at this time of the year, we start to, when we are producing uh, flour for for bread. Uh, we normally have the first four five months after harvest we'll be taking 70 percent of local wheat and 30 percent imported now at this time of the year we are now taking 70 percent of imported and 30 percent of of local wheat because our local wheat will be depleting um, from a supply side we are still covered for now and we have got a big importation plan that we'll be executing uh, starting the next two weeks to make sure that the uh, the market is well supplied. So yes, on the bread side, wheat has been is is caused such a huge price of uh, increase of uh, wheat flour, and uh, bread is about forty percent, forty five percent flour. So, so before I move forward to Medibia, so that we just don't get too far of it, as I know if I'm sitting at home, you've thrown a lot of uh, content at me in, in terms of numbers and that sort of thing. Uh, you, you talked about the fact that uh, we have a, was it 65% of uh, imports that we're getting specifically from the Russian-Ukraine re region. Mm -hmm. I know that there is no profits that exist in GMAS and that sort of thing, so you could not foretold there could Correct, would be yeah. a, a Russia-Ukraine situation was, and yeah. the supply and uh, distribution uh, systems across the world. Supply global supply chain has also been affected by, mm -hmm. by COVID-19. But the mm -hmm. question is, given that the glo uh, global supply chain issues had already started like two years ago, why was there no alternative to see where we could also get supplies because even before the Russia-Ukraine situation, we're still getting increases in, in uh, the cost of flour. Not at the same rate, but increases had been taking place. Well, the, we have been affected by the vagaries of weather. Um, if you look at uh, Australia, which is in the top 10 world with uh, export supply. Uh, they've been affected with floods and uh, and heat waves, so the amount of wheat they would produce was also affected. This was not only about wheat; only it had affected a number of other commodities. Uh, 
but those price shocks were minimal. In some cases, we could absorb them. But what we could not foretell and could not predict was the Ukraine conflict degenerating into a war that it has. Uh, that, is, that is a big problem. Uh, the world has got enough weight, as we speak, in terms of the quantum available in the world. But the movement of, of wheat has been affected in the past six months or past 12 months largely by COVID. The ships could not dock. The, the traffic in the uh, seas was also affected because of the lockdowns in each and every country. So when we thought we have come over that, the, the world is going back to normal in terms of uh, um, shipments and transshipments uh, crisscrossing the world, we now have the, the, the Russian war. So the Russian war is unique uh, in that uh, we, we, we had uh, the biggest uh, suppliers fighting and it's not only which affected, it is affecting gas, it's affecting fertilizers, it's affecting soya, it's affecting sunflower. I think the list goes up to 15 uh, commodities that has been affected uh, by, this, um, by, 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 by this conflict. 0731168045. If you're at home, get in touch with me. Or even if you're out driving somewhere or on your way home and you want to take part in the discussion, that's our WhatsApp number. I've got the chairperson uh, of the Gray Millers Association of Zimbabwe, Tafazo Masarara, here in the studio. And we're talking about, of course, the price, price of bread. And as they always say, the price of bread is something that affects almost everything else. And People say, oh, you know what, the price of bread is what, what is the basic thing. It's how you def- decide an economy and it affects everything else. We're going to have discussions on that a little bit later, but we had spoken about bread. Let's go to, to maize before I then talk about the, the, the contagion effects that, that take place afterwards. Well, on the maize, uh, it went up by 52%. This was again uh, triggered by the increase of, of uh, maize the price of maize by GMB, Grand Marketing Board, to local millers, uh, which moved from 50,000 per ton to 75,000 per ton. So, so we had a 50% increase. In addition to that, the cost of moving grain maybe from collection points, which are around 200, 300 kilometers from the milling plants, and then distributed across the, the country, uh, uh, also had an impact. Then now uh, um, the issue of uh, the cost of electricity. From the 1st of January up to now, electricity has gone up more than 35%. Again, it uh, contributed to the increase. So if you look at the variables that have been going up, our production variables that have been going up, and the, and the 50% increase we have put, it shows that we did not pass on the full extent of the in- increases that we have been getting, we we pa- we partially passed. Otherwise, we would have uh, increased the price of millimeter by 80 percent. So, uh, it's also important, if I may, explain to your listeners that us as industry, we don't want situations where prices goes up. It is not sustainable. It is not viable. We don't make profit out of increasing the prices. We make profit when the prices are stable and you increase the volumes so when you increase the volumes of your of what we you produce which is also known as the capacity utilization the unit cost 
pay, pay the, the cost of producing a unit uh, lowers down and that's why you make a margin you have a sustainable market share that you feed continuously the machines are running all workers are busy you're able to recover cost so when the prices of millimil goes up or flour goes up um, we, we we dislike it in as much as consumer do because it's a threat to business there'll be resistance naturally is either consumers will boycott the product if they can't they'll they'll significantly reduce the consumption of that product and consequently the volumes that we produce and can be absorbed in the market um uh, will actually reduce and has there been an effect that sort of effect on people reducing the consumption of the product in the market yes i think bread at the moment you might need to call the the bakers but I think bread at the moment, there's a drop of about uh, 18% in terms of consumption. So whenever there's a drop on bread consumption by 18%, it also affects uh, a drop in the demand for flour. So we've been affected. Um, on the maize side, you know, maize is the second most uh, uh, essential in any ordinary household after water. So people continue to buy, but perhaps not in the quantum that they, they are, are sufficient to sustain a household food security. So, uh, yes, there's always a resistance when, when prices goes up. Uh, in other uh, products, uh, there might be outright uh, boycotts because people feel it's, it's not a necessity. But in the essentials, like what we, we, we produce, which forms, again, the the, the, which, the the core of national food security people buy but not in the big numbers that they they they, they would uh, ordinarily and we are alive to the fact that this can cause social and political upheavals uh, it's unfortunate that we are in the in between but larry i want to explain that um, we are simply in the part of the value chain okay and unfortunately we become the fall guy. We are the ones who end up with the final product that goes to the consumer. But in the value chain, there's the, those who sell the maize to us, those, those who sell the wheat to us, and uh, whenever they increase the prices, the consumer might not know. The consumer only get to know when we increase the final product, which, which they need. And we have to do all the hard work now to explain why the prices have gone up. But... Um, this is just a, a, a culmination or a, a consequence of increase in production or increase in cost of variables within the value chain. Okay, so you talk about 18% that has uh, been affected in terms of bread in some instances. Mm. So, that, some, if I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, doesn't that become part of the effect when somebody decides to increase the price of bread for example because like because less people are eating bread going by the same by the argument that you gave earlier uh, that people uh, it, it becomes cheaper for you to sell a unit uh, loaf of bread if many people are consuming it mm-hmm. so for me i have the question that isn't this now become an excuse for some people to increase the price because less people are consuming well it becomes inevitable that we have to increase the prices because if you continue to sell at a lower price, we're selling it uh, below cost, and therefore we close down. But um, 
anyone in the fast-moving consumer goods sector, uh, increasing prices is the last option. In many cases, we absorb the price increases, and uh, uh, which of course it reduces our margins. Uh, why? Because we want to make sure that uh, our high volumes are, are always achieved. 0731-168045. Just going to ask a few questions, then we'll carry on with our discussion in the studio. Uh, I've got someone who says, ask Musarara, why is it that only Zimbabwe is where we find our business people jumping at the smallest loophole to get uh, to fleece customers or other consumers in terms of pricing as if they run businesses without a proper backup plan? We are, on, uh, we are an agro-based economy and we should not be subjected to these high prices. I'll uh, ask a second one uh, from Sharkmanship, okay? Uh, grain millers are not organized. I've realized that a beer brewery never ran out of raw materials because they did uh, as they... Okay. What they did is that they put contract farming where they will grow sorghum for these companies. Why don't these millers uh, put wheat farmers on contract farming, uh, sponsor these uh, farmers, grow a wheat locally so it's cheaper that way? Okay. Thank you so much. I'll start with the second question. Good observations there. Um, we, every year, as the Grain Miller Association, uh, complementing government we produce about 20 or we fund or contract about 20 to 25,000 tons 20 to 25,000 hectares of wheat farming in Zimbabwe uh, this complements the government's command the agriculture that we do every year uh, then of course you can't compare us and beer because everyone eats bread, not everyone drinks beer. So the demand for wheat is much greater than the demands of for 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 Apoko. The then the second part of that is that uh, Zimbabwe is not geographically endowed to grow wheat. We don't have the uh, uh, the proper low temperatures in other countries where they when snow is ending, that's when they plant and the, the snow becomes a source of water. In our country, when we're planting wheat, we, we have to dam. We have to get the oil and the infra irrigation infrastructure. When you're talking about uh, the grains for beer, they just grow naturally. So, you know, yeah, the yield is good. Uh, we, we are a Rapoko uh, growing country in terms of our uh, geographical endowment. Then, uh, uh, the issue of us importing wheat is not a Zimbabwean issue alone. All countries in Southern, Central and Eastern Africa are net importers of wheat because wheat is an exotic uh, um, crop that was brought in by, by colonization and of course we've adopted it. It is now our second uh, step of food. So we fund about 25,000 tons of, 25,000 hectares of wheat um, uh, farming in Zimbabwe. What does that translate to in terms of? What does that translate to instead of in terms of tons? That comes to eighty thousand. The country has got a, a irrigable space or hectare of about sixty-five thousand. So, 
uh, you don't just grow it. You have to, if you fund, you have to look for someone who has got the right source for it and is dammed, which means they've got a dam and all the irrigation. So this country can grow up to about 65,000 uh, hectares of, uh, of wheat. And of that 25,000, we are contracting. Majority of it, CBZ uh, has been doing a good job uh, funding again uh, the, the farmers. So we need to understand the difference between wheat farming, the conditions that uh, we, we should uh, pro produce it, and the challenges that we get in wheat farming versus Rio uh, and others uh, crops that we use for, for beer. And of course, let's also appreciate that everyone wants bread and not everyone wants beer. So then, given that sort of scenario, you say you got 25,000, what does the government come up with? The government complements the rest, which is uh, uh, around 40, 45, 50,000. So the government is doing quite a lot to, in that. So in total, we're looking at roughly about 65,000 to 75,000. In total, yes. including yours? Including ours. Because that's the, if you look at our dams. Oh, we're talking about hectares in here. Hectares. I, was, I was talking about, okay, so, yeah. uh, so therefore, when we're looking at the tonnage, then we should be looking at roughly how much? 200,000 to 220,000. So mm -hmm. we're talking, are we talking about increasing this coming winter given the scenario we have? I know you say we the, have the limitations of geographical, but there yeah, must yeah. be a way to my, increase My that. understanding that the 2022 uh, wheat farming program, all the irrigatable land has been targeted for and provisions are there uh, to uh, provide for, for wheat farming. But of course the weather is working against us. Uh, we still have rains at a time ordinarily where we should have harvested and prepared the land for uh, for wheat farming. But uh, be as it may, there is so much work that is happening between uh, a joint effort actually of government and private sector to produce enough wheat. However, uh, uh, the demand for wheat continues to grow. We have geo uh, our own demographics. The, uh, the six from six months old to thirty-five years old these are the, our youths they they probably uh, consume 70 percent of the bread the the we are experiencing a generational uh, dietary preference changes those who probably above 45 and above are more into millimeal and the related products the young ones are more into wheat and rice products so demand for wheat continues to grow every year uh, because our youth dividend is continuing. We, we, we have quite a... Um, uh, we, there's been incremental growth in our youth population. Yeah, babies are getting born every day anyway. Yes. So, so, yeah. so what it does is that it keeps pressure on the demand for wheat. In 2000, this country was consuming about 195,000 tons of wheat. Fast forward to now, we're consuming uh, nearly 400,000 tons of, uh, of wheat. So Demand is continuing, but our irrigatable land space has not grown a, a proportionate to the demand. Can that be changed, or is just is this what it is? Well, we can. I think the currently the current administration is done well because the yields that we are getting are much higher than the yields that we got even when white commercial farmers are there. Now I'm talking about irrigatable land. Well, we, we really need to demo, we need to improve our irrigation, we need to continue to uh, uh, make sure that the farmers are equipped, there's enough electricity. So, 
this is not a Jima's issue. This is about all of us. Okay, so now, having said that, because I want to, I want to, I want just to zero on that. So, if I'm sitting at home, and you're telling me that uh, there should be an increase, uh, is there an indication of what the increase could could be this uh, coming year from the seventy five thousand odd? Uh, hectares that you talk well, I'm about. I'm not a specialist in that. I, th- I guess you need to invite the, um, okay. the officials from Minister of Agriculture. But I can tell you that uh, currently we, the country has got between 65 to 75,000 uh, hectares of irrigatable land and private sector is working together with the government to make sure that the entire space is, uh, is attended to. 0731168045 if you're at home get in touch with me we've had an extensive discussion on uh, wheat and I've got a couple of messages coming in uh, I'm going to take a quick break when I come back I want to read a couple of these messages then we go in further into the aspect of what the government is planning to do uh, and as far as the continued engagement. I know Tafazam Sarara in the studio here has touched on it, but what we want to find out is what else is the government up to. Uh, some people asking here, are there subsidies that are going to be made available and things of that nature? How does it work? Is there engagement on things of that nature uh, so that we can maintain food security in the country? You listen to ZFM Stereo, my station, your station. The hottest radio in town. The music you love. It's the music we play all day. station is still ZFM Stereo, my station, your station, the hottest radio in town. The name is Larry Kriderai and, and we are talking bread and millimil prices here. The millers are speaking here and they're represented by Tafazom Sarara, who is the chairperson of the Grain Millers Association of Zimbabwe. And uh, there's a question that we skipped. Uh, someone said, uh, what, why is it that only Zimbabwe is where we find our business people jumping at the l- smallest loophole that they can get to fleece customers in terms of pricing as if they run business without a proper backup plan? We are an agro-based economy and we should be subjected, we should not be subjected to these high prices. That specific aspect, some people feel that any opportunity that comes for prices to go up, uh, businesses in Zimbabwe jump at it? Well, I can't speak on behalf of all the business that uh, the listener is referring to, but I can speak on behalf of millers. It's on record. If you check the price of, of millimule and flour in the past uh, five, five years, or f- from actually December going backwards five years, it has been very stable. The, if you look at the CSO, the Central Statistics Office figures, will tell you that uh, millimule and bread have moved the list until uh, December last year. Uh, is there? The, but let me hasten also to add that uh, the prices of millimule 
is also going up in the region. In Botswana, the price of increase two weeks ago. Uh, in South Africa, the price is going up. Uh, in France, the price of pasta, which is a pr product of uh, flour, also went up this first quarter. Uh, in uh, in Egypt, the government is busy trying to make sure that their subsidy policy is in place, trying to cushion the customers. So there has been a price increases uh, throughout the whole world. There's been some shortages in some instances. But, uh, of course, when you look at our situations, we think, well, we are the West. We probably need to do a comparison analysis of uh, how is the food situation in other countries vis-a-vis um, -vis the conflict that we have uh, in the COVID. It also had an impact because what COVID did in the lockdowns was to reduce the farming activities in the most productive areas lockdowns they could not go and attend to the fields and uh, natural when commodities in the past uh, 72 months uh, dropped in terms of the their world supply levels so this is not only happening in zimbabwe we have a global inflation a global food inflation crisis and many governments and many jurisdictions are faced with the same menacing problem that we have Oh, seven three one one six eight zero five. Why do they sell the bread in US index prices? Why can't they sell their bread at prices pegged at the interbank rate? That's lion. Larry, you need to bring the bakers so that they can uh, acquit themselves. Uh, we only supply them with flour. Okay. Someone said, okay, is the EGMB increasing the price to, uh, or, or a ton of maize? Is it going to buy from farmers as well this year? I guess that's a question for them, but yeah, but that affects you as well. It affects us, but it is simply most to vindicate us to say my point that we are part of the value chain. So perhaps one day in this studio, you bring everyone in the value chain, and then uh, um, take them to task, and, and the listeners also ask themselves so that you understand the whole value chain. We are also price takers on some of the. Uh, inputs or raw materials that we use and uh, unfortunately like I said we are the last people now to come up with that product and interface with the consumer so the consumer now need us is good questions and we are we have we are found in a place where we have to answer on behalf of our suppliers so yeah that, that, that's where we are but this is this is not a discussion that should be targeting millers but to look at the holistically the whole entire value chain to say uh, where did we get wrong as you know millers don't grow maize there are farmers there and uh, we don't get our packaging we don't do it we also buy it from others we don't produce electricity we also buy it from the utility companies and it's unfortunate that we are the final aggregator that uh, produces the product the consumer wants and we are more than happy to through a platform like yours to communicate and uh, uh, explain and acquit ourselves to the consumers but um, it should be also understood that we are just but a, a key a, a play a cog in the in the whole value chain matrix so let's look at say for example bread mm -hmm. uh what percentage does flour uh, contribute to that or milk milk into the, to the production because you're talking about electricity you talk about uh, plastic and all that so what percentage is the flour itself contributing to the production well I think uh, flour contributes about uh, depending on the quality of bread it contributes between 45 to 60 percent 
of, of bread. But of course, they've got other costs that they have to uh, they have to meet. So are these costs all met here? Of course, besides fuel having come here, are these costs like the plastic and things of that nature? Are they met here? Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm not representing the bakers, but the knowledge that I have is that they still have a, a lot of other ingredients that they have to b- to bring in, and I think this platform and your listeners will benefit from from them attending this show so that the the uh, they ventilate the argument. Oh seven three one one six eight zero four five GMAS. I thought the reasons we have GMAS was its ability to negotiate long-term supply contracts for grains on the international source markets, says that we can ride through short-term disruptions like the Russia uh, situation. Why are we being affected now? Good observation from the um, from the listener. We need to obtain long-term supply. Uh, pipelines, supply pipelines, and uh, it's in our best interest. We, with, given the level and the extent of our investments, at all material times we must have at least a two-year cover of our raw materials. But we are also handicapped, like many of the businesses here, in terms of the foreign currency. Um, we can't, we don't have the luxury and the capacity, like our compatriots or other colleagues, Miller colleagues in in other countries, uh, who can come up with the LCs, with other credit facilities, to create that uh, that uh, that pipeline. Oh, seven three one one six eight zero four five. Someone says, "I don't see how geopolitical fa- geopolitical factors affect the price of millimil. We produce enough maize here, and we manage it ourselves." Good point. Like I indicated, the price of maize was uh, pre- uh, triggered or precipitated by the increase of in price of uh, of uh, 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 price of maize by GMB by Green Marketing Board to millers. So for now. This price increase of millimil had nothing to do with the geopolitics, as the listener rightfully uh, observed. Uh, the geopolitics are playing more on the on the wheat. But however, the price of maize is going up because in where wheat supply comes down, uh, maize becomes an immediate uh, substitute. And then when we look at uh, the price of maize, I mean, the maize, is it all being sourced here? Are we importing any as far as you know? For the past three years, we have not imported and, uh, maize in, in, in the country, uh, largely on account of uh, the presidential input scheme, the contract farming that we, we also did and government did, the command agriculture, the independent farmers who self-funded themselves. So the country has been self-sustaining. But of course, when good things are like, when we are doing well and we are well-fed, uh, perhaps we don't come and tell a good story. We are only called when there's a crisis. But for the past three years, the country has been self-sufficient uh, in terms of uh, maize production. So what are the engagements that GMAS uh, is having with the government to try and sort out this sort of situation, given yeah. we don't know when this international crisis is like to end yeah thank you so much you're correct that uh, and i like your point that we don't know when this will end however what we have done is that uh, government has given us a special dispensation to import maize and uh, also uh, offered their commitment to assist us in importing um, uh, wheat between now and perhaps uh, one one june next year so those efforts are there uh, in fact, in two weeks' time, we're going to announce our 
we'll share with the government a granting protection plan for the next 12 months. What we want to deal with is that uh, in a situation like ours, we've got two main uh, objectives. The first one is affordability of the product. The second one, and most important, is availability of the product. So for now, we can assure the consumers that availability of wheat and maize is there. Until when? Uh, supposing the plan that is well, yeah, the, you're coming in with, where how much supply do we have until? Well, we we on on the May side, as you know, we are entering to harvest local harvest in Zimbabwe. We are starting to harvest in in, in the next uh, four to six weeks, so we still have about eight months. But in addition to that, we are going to create a, a, a supply pipelines that would see us to the next harvest. So is that why you're saying you need to import? Yes, we, we, we need to import. Are we expecting that uh, we should have, we shouldn't have enough maize coming out of this uh, season to to supply? Yeah, uh, to be self-sufficient. You asked me a question: Why Jimas doesn't have backup plants? We, you, you can't say if the even if the yield is is adequate for the year, therefore you're okay. We really need to make sure that we have at all given times we have got a cover. Uh, international best practice says you should have two, three-year cover in case something happens, there's a calamity and and uh, you need you can't produce. So what we are doing is we have a good harvest, expected good harvest this year. We are also going to import so that uh, we have um, uh, uh, more than enough for two reasons. One is to cover for in, should they be in, in some instances. The second is to stabilize prices. So the next six months is the best time for us to buy grain, especially in the region, because the prices will be low. So that in future, if the price of maize goes up, we are able to leverage on the low prices that we have got. So that is why we, we are getting into, into uh, a, a, this elaborate importation program. So then given you're saying you want to import, uh, import wheat, and you're saying you want to import, and you've been given that uh, dispensation by the government, the question becomes, where are you going to get it from? If the Russia-Ukraine situation they're talking about uh, continues uh, without changing. Well, I'll be able to come back after two weeks and tell you precisely where we're getting it. But I can tell you, we, we have leads in Argentina, with this Australian. Um, we're working very well with the Canadian embassy for us to get it from, uh, from, uh, from their country. But uh, a more uh, pristine a plan will be reviewed perhaps in the next two to four weeks to calm the the, um, the consumers and uh, avoid panic buying unnecessarily because grain will be on the way. Um, we have local stocks. We still have local stocks of local wheat. We still have good stocks of local maize. Uh, but we plan beyond the current stocks that we have so that uh, at any given time, the country is uh, well stocked. Uh, give an example of Syria. Syria went to war. It never imported wheat for the next for the first three years. It was uh, uh, of the war, right? The country was well supplied. There was no food crisis in Syria, apart from that. Perhaps the movement from where it is to where people need it was uh, was affected by the war. So we are working with the government, with the non-state actors, and other development partners to ensure that Zimbabwe uh, creates its. Uh, requisite and adequate uh, stock cover.
Getting back to something that you said earlier, you made reference to the fact that uh, there is enough wheat in the world, but it's just the global supply chain that is an issue, and you see that has been exacerbated by the geopolitics in Russia and Ukraine. So even if we're able to get these uh, suppliers from places like Argentina and the ones you're talking about, are you saying these are not affected by the geopolitics of that, pl- of that uh, part of the world? The the, the, the the Ukraine-Russia conflict has reduced the world wheat supply export by 34%. We are still able to get it from other countries, but of course the price will be higher because supply has come down, demand has made where it is. In fact, it's increasing because speculators have moved in and the price of wheat, I've given you the figures earlier, uh, is, is going up. So that that phenomenon on its own that position on its own uh, uh, indicates a manifestation of uh, how bad the war in in ukraine uh, and russia is affecting the world food security so in other words even if we get say from argentina as you may make reference to it's all still be coming up and landing in zimbabwe at a currently high price or possibly higher price the price that i've given you showing a price increase are simply saying regardless of where we are getting the wheat now the prices have gone up the price doesn't go up because uh, for russian and ukraine wheat they go up for the entire wheat stocks in the world Uh, you know we have our our uh, main exchange which is uh, in chicago where the prices of wheat and other commodities are traded so when the price goes up in Chicago, the assembly shows that the world supply has come down and demand has remained where it is, if not higher, because the speculators would have also joined in. Uh, okay, so then I will then ask this question from our 0731 We've still got 10 minutes of the show. Please get in touch with me in the studio. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say. Are you satisfied with the answers that have been given by the chairperson of the Grey Millers Association of Zimbabwe, Tafazo Msalala? Now, if, say, supposing the situation in Russia and Ukraine were to be solved next week, how long would it take for things to get to a pseudo-normal space? Well, we can't tell, but personally, uh, I would think it would take a little bit more time uh, in the sense that uh, uh, there's so much uh, fighting around the port site. The Battle of Mariupol. Mariupol is a city on the eastern side of uh, Russia. That city uh, has been bombarded. I think you've seen it. It has been taken over by the Russians. Uh, but that's the city that uh, hosts or receives and dispatches most of the vessels for exports to the world. Okay? There is also talk that uh, the whole naval area, the whole sea area around it, is a wall. So perhaps it has been fenced in a way, or mined in a way. Uh, so you wait for the pistols, for the ceasefire, and then for the deamination of the whole area, and then the confidence issue of the vessel or shipping lines to go back again, the insurance companies that cover those ones to say, yes, we can go ahead again. So confidence is a very fragile thing. It's easy to lose, very difficult to gain. So the business confidence has to be reignited and it won't happen next day. And okay, so then going back to where we are right now, if you were to say you're able to get 
these different markets that or rather this uh, this uh, these different sources that you look at what sort of time period you looking would you be looking at for from purchase to landing in zimbabwe uh well uh, we have uh, enough stocks for now and uh, we, cre- we we are creating uh, um, some shortcuts which are very key in ensuring that the lead time and the turnaround is we, 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 is between 30 to 120 days so there's no need to panic for now. I said availability and affordability. So affordability, we might be losing it on the front, uh, but this is a global problem. But uh, availability, we can assure consumers that there's no need to panic by. Uh, we are there, we are stocked, more it is coming. 0731168045, somebody exclaiming that, oh, we didn't know that we Tirukujka flower Ukraine. Uh, somebody says... Uh, I don't know if you asked this question before. Trukuta Zakuri ma wit ye do here to guy. Yeah, okay. Um, like I indicated. Maybe it can, if you could answer this nature shona, is that the question yeah, yeah, I sure. present to nature shona? Goro Sirakatanga Kurimamkore, Munikamunum Kuma Kurangata, nineteen sixty two. Don't you kuti Vachinakanga Wawia, Vida Wujika Chingu? Asipa Kurimakuya. Wakata matambuzi kwe kuti waitu fana kutesa madamu e, Akati wandei kuti goroseri wane mvura So goroseri nunda shunshuiri, nunda kutonora, nunda mvura e, Isusu takatu so itasokuma nikizira Tenzimwe njimbo mnika imuno zisinga kwa nisika kuri magorosi Kunyanyisa mariji na angaite e, 3, 4, 5 shiri dai Mangwacho wane ita mangwaite Saka e, goroseri gara chiri shiri mwanchimuti neta Kuti tichirimi Asifu jisnei Nuku kura kurukuita wandu wedu wewanu mzimbabwe. Takanya nyotasa newe shidiki. Wakunyanyo farira chingwa, nempunga, nezungo zagadai. Isu sunozo tipabasa isu sema kambani. Kutitino chaka gorosiri. Nempunga kufakunze kutivanu. Wakwanise kujika shohanoda. Rujinjuro wanu watu kwe gurei wakata ose nishenda mberi. Wanu wakakura wari wechibage, wesuyo, nezungo zagadaro. Saka tukuona Shandu kwa iripo, pakutuweshi diki, wane kushika kwa, kwa wanoda. Isu sinoso, sinukupa nyika ino basa. Sinukuti ngatishiri mai gorosa rakawanda. Asipa kurimakua kwa truku itawu. E, urumenda niwa makambani, wariku shena shena shukuru. Tinungu wane nchimbo ingai ngweta 75,000 hectares. E, nyika yese, ya tinu kwansa kurimakua e, gorosa. Inuwa nchimbo, inefu rakanaka, inema demu, inema paipe kudiridzisa. Saka, e, shatinga rime, Shingangwe ita 220,000. Asu wandu, we goro sirugudi wa gorene gore rukura amba chuwanda. Parijino, e, nyikaino iruguda goro siringaite 400,000. Tikatasa, mgorea 2,000, nyikaino yejika goro siringaite 195,000. Saka, atinga, ti, weshidi kwa So, zino, rabasa, rakwe iwe nini, kutituone kuti goro siri, tinga kuze sei, Wanduwe wakuri mwakwe gorosi Zoro wa madamu matwa anofana kuwa kwa e, Zingwe minda tipami zire e, Mapai pekule zisane izoso Asi regendi taruonda kamera ipapu Kutidambu zikwe rarizi remu Zimbabwe chete Kuzambia, Malawi, e, e, South Africa Nizingwe nyika ziri e, ku East, Central and Southern Africa Nikangu tinga zese Apana nyika ilikuwa nisa kuri magorosi Itunokwana Itunokwanira 
wano tuwa ni kwa vashuno toro kune zingu nchumpu vashuunza e mnika e, mao sakatika tarisa nyaye chita unge yeze isimbabwe chete ya kundikana ayo wabudu inyaye kuti uandua gorosu rugudi wa muno maafrika ukura amba wachukwira e, takuto unyanyofarira gorosu kungesaza saka ndoda mzuku ratenge tinaro rakuda istose tite mwona rapangu chuma che mzukuru kuti damzuku ratenga gaziru kose how long does it take to uh, wheat to grow to be grown and be harvested? Our winter is about four months, isn't it? Is this long not long enough weather-wise? Well, yeah, it's more or less. Um, we, 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 our our um, uh, deadline for planting is always 15 May, and then uh, uh, we start harvesting in October, November. Okay, so before we go, um, I know you said there's a plan that's going to come in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we'll get you back in the studio so you can explain to us what this plan is. Because this, for me, is, is, a, is a hot potato issue. Uh, don't mind me using the word potato uh, when we're talking about millers. But the, the question I want to ask is, how, what confidence can you give someone sitting in Chimani Mani or in Kariba that you have this under control, that we're not going to be having a situation in about two months where there will just not be bread in the, stu- in the stores? As the milling industry, we have been importing grain for years now. Uh, we have secured uh, alternative source markets that are reliable. We have had, of course, our difficulties in procuring foreign currency, but we have always come around. Uh, our record is clear. We have never promised that product to be available and uh, then ended up with some stockouts in the shelves. Where the problem we've always come out clean and say we have a supply problem. But in now in the in this uh, in this situation we have again told you that we have with a bigger importation program that is coming up and we share with consumers uh, so that they don't have to worry, they can go and sleep, that they, they must spend what they just need to spend uh, on those commodities that you produce w- without resorting to panic buying. And then finally, have you, dis- have you talked to the government at all about the possibilities of some sort of subsidies? You talked about Egypt uh, delving into that. Is there something that you've considered? Well, subsidies uh, are usually an issue that is uh, raised by the consumers talking to, to, to government. But in our case, if government accommodates that, that would be good for us because prices will come down and the volumes goes up. Okay, Tafazum Sarara, the Grain Marketers, uh, Grain Millers Association of Zimbabwe chairperson. Thank you very much for joining me on this episode of the platform. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. Coming up uh, shortly is uh, Sheila with our story. My name is Larry Quirirao. Quirirai. I got my name wrong. Take care of yourself and the people that you love. And as I say, from where I come from, Asiri Siasebenza. Take care of yourself. 